Welcome back to another episode of the Pivot and Go podcast. I hope you guys are all just having a massive smile on your face right now. Go out, give somebody a big hug, tell them you love them. Trust me, it'll go a long ways. Make you feel better too. And you'll make me feel better if you left a review on the podcast. Nah, you don't have to. Honestly, you don't have to. It takes like 15 seconds, but the more reviews we get, the more guests we get. Like that's what keeps this thing going. So if you could, do it and let me know. That'd be amazing. If not, totally no stress at all. But I got to tell you about the guests that we have on today. So we've all been through a difficult time in our lives, a struggle, a tragedy, you name it. We've all been there. But this guy lost his best friend, his father, the legend, one of the best high school football coaches ever, Ed Thomas. He was murdered, murdered at school. And Aaron, Aaron Thomas, our guest today, lives on in his legacy, but makes his own legacy for himself. And one of the most impactful things you're going to hear on this message and how Aaron lives his life is he forgave the guy who took his father's life. Yeah, how tough would that be to do? But he lives in knowing God has the plan. God is the ultimate judge and he forgave him. And it's been life changing. And Aaron will talk on that. He'll talk on what true legacy is, what true leadership is, leading when you feel like, yeah, there's something you have to live up to. But instead of looking at it as a burden, looking at it as a positive, you're going to take a lot away from this. This is a phenomenal interview with an incredible man, Aaron Thomas. So buckle up because here we go. The road, just pivot and go. Pivot and go. Aaron Thomas, welcome to the Pivot and Go podcast. Man, let me just let the audience know that when I have fellow Iowans on this podcast, <laughs> I get extra excited. What what most people don't know is one, where Iowa is. They think it's potatoes. That's Idaho, everybody. And only good people come from Iowa. So me and you, we're already great people. I'm setting that stage. Aaron Thomas, thank you for being on the Pivot and Go podcast. No, my pleasure, David. Thanks so much for having me. Your stuff's so good and just honored to be on here and uh, have a chance to talk with you today. Thanks, man. Well, let's start this thing off, and we're going to start it off with a bang. Something that maybe not everybody knows about you. So to set the stage, you're this great athlete. You're a great coach. You have this amazing story, but maybe something that's off the beaten path about Aaron Thomas. Probably the biggest thing, you know, high school principal, everybody asks me about speaking, but honestly, I, I don't, uh, going to work as a high school principal every day is what kind of makes me tick, just working with young people. Um, speaking is great, and I love that, and honestly, coaching basketball is my passion with with high school basketball, some AAU stuff, but, um, you know, I, I don't have hobbies outside of working at school, <laughs> coaching basketball, I mean, that's it, hanging out with my three kids, my, my boys and my wife, and I'm pretty low-key. When you think Iowa, it's probably me, a boring guy, and just likes those things. But those are the most important things, man. You literally there in about a 10-second span could have just tied up if anybody wants to have the most fulfilling life. That's it. Follow your passion, the gift that God's right. given you. Pour all, all yourself into it and love your spouse and your kids above all else. So literally 10 seconds, boom, podcast done. Great job. Drop the mic. <laughs> no, We'll take it. <laughs> Hey, uh, on the Pivot and Go podcast, we bring on people who have gone through big life pivots. They, they've reached a, a great spot of success in their own definition of what success is, but they've gone through difficult times. Not everybody just starts at the top. Well, no one ever starts at the top. Right. So is there a big life pivot that stands out to you where you were just stuck or you were just 
man, in a storm and you made a pivot and to get you on the trajectory of your life that you're on today. Yeah, you, you know, David, it's weird. In third grade, I honestly knew I wanted to teach and coach. And the reason why is because, and I'll reference my dad a lot, but, you know, as a third grader, you don't understand passion. You don't understand um, making an impact and having a difference, but you can see it, right? So as a third grade student, I saw my passion for what my dad did every day when he would go up, work with high school guys, coach high school football, and just being a teacher. And so I knew that's what I wanted to do if I wasn't a pro athlete. That third grade, I was going to be a pro athlete that didn't work well. Um, then I was going to teach and coach. And honestly, the reason it was simple is because I saw my dad loved what he did every day. And it's like, I want to do something that's fulfilling. I want to go love what I do. And so I, that's what I want to do, you know. I always hoped growing up I'd be a successful high school coach. Never thought I'd want to be a principal. Now I love what I do there. Um, but my pivot without a different and, and go came, you know, I, and, and growing up, I always thought platforms and opportunities because of good things. Work hard, do what you're supposed to do. You know, in high school, you get to be a captain of a team, got to be a starter because you show up, you work hard, you do what you're supposed to do, you're dependable. Um, but for me, truly, my life has transformed from the worst event uh, when my dad was murdered. And all of a sudden... I'm doing press conference that afternoon with national media. Um, and from there, all of a sudden, by, by saying exactly what I think my dad would have wanted me to say in that day, in that interview, um, all of a sudden our family gets nominated for an ESPY award. And so we're going to the 2010 ESPYs. And my first public speaking is at the ESPYs with Brett Favre handing me an ESPY trophy. And all of a sudden I'm talking about my dad live on ESPN. And so here I'm a teacher and a coach in Union High School, small school in LaPorte, city iowa and all of a sudden now my dad's story becomes a national news because he's a national high school coach killed in the weight room and school shootings national news and my dad had kind of we had four nfl guys from our small communities of three thousand people and so he had the new york times that came and they did a piece on him and espn it came and did a piece on our football program and my dad was national high school coach of the year prior then we get hit with an ef5 tornado in 2008 and so all kinds of national media attention again well, school shooting, my dad being killed by a former player in the weight room with 22 young people in there. All of a sudden, my platform, my opportunity came on easily the worst experience I ever went through. But, you know, watching my dad and always, you know, he'd always say, you never know when you're going to have a platform. You never know when you're going to have an opportunity. Be ready for those moments. And like I said, growing up, always thought that was due to positives. David, always thought it was positives. So uh, a big platform for my dad with that negative of an EF5 tornado and prepared me for 13 months. I basically got to watch a model of how do I respond June 24, 2009, when my dad ends up getting murdered. And basically just try to follow his lead, his example, my mom, um, her lead, and, and thus, you know, my life truly never been the same, good and bad. The opportunities I've had, unbelievable. Um, but also not having my dad on an unexpected event. Um, that was definitely the pivot and go for me. Wow. Aaron, there's a lot to unpack there, and that is finding the beauty out of the ashes, these storms that we go through in life. And, yeah, we all think about the opportunity is going to come from the positive, the work that we come in, but but we are broken people, and God takes those those broken pieces and puts them back together for something so much better. I think it's like there's a Japanese word. There's a Japanese – I'm going to butcher this, but there's like a, a pot <laughs> – and that it, when you break it and put it back together, it's worth more than when it was just its original form, which is a beautiful analogy and a beautiful analogy right. 
for you. Okay, walk us through this, Aaron, because I remember where I was in Pella, Iowa, reading the newspaper, knowing that your father was was killed in a school shooting. And, man, walk us through not that but the after effect of it and what you do i don't even know how you do it like i don't know how you do it but your true forgiveness the forgiveness of the person who took your father's life is something that like just gives me chills every time that i hear yeah you know david it was a, it was one of those things um you know when it first happens you, you don't find out who who had done it. It was like later that night. I, I bet it was like 10 o'clock before you found out who, but it, it was crazy. Cause in my mind, as soon as my mom called me, um, Mark Becker's name came to mind. It, it was crazy. So fr- father's, this was right after father's day. My wife and I again, lived in LaPorte city, came home to see both of our dads that Sunday, um, of father's day. And there's a high speed chase that goes through Parkersburg. And she and I are literally walking to the ice cream store to get ice cream in Parkersburg. We left the grandkids with my parents, just get away, <laughs> walk quick. And there's a high-speed car chase that comes around that corner, and it was Mark Becker. You know, my dad was killed on that Wednesday, so Sunday. So I see this chase, find out what happened, and obviously that happened. first name that pops in my head was was Mark Becker. And, um, you know, for me, in going through that afternoon, and when you ask for prayers and forgiveness for, you know, prayers for the Becker family, because I can say without a doubt, Dave and Joan Becker, the parents of Mark Becker, great people the last thing they want is their dad or their kid to kill my dad. I don't, I don't question that. Um, I also know in those moments, um, if all of a sudden I start blaming them or saying that everything my dad worked 58 years for in life goes right out the window a matter of seconds. If his family responds in a negative light, you know, if we're blaming this or saying, saying those things, we didn't know the facts at that time. We didn't even know all the details. Um, but I do know with hundred percent confidence that, my response, all I tried to do was say exactly what I think my dad would have said in that moment had he been able to speak for himself. Um, you know, one thing I like to talk about is it's real easy being Ed Thomas's son when he's National Coach of the Year and, and winning state titles and all those things. But a, more, a better reflection is going to be, you know, who was Ed Thomas when his family faced adversity? And, and like I said, I watched my mom and dad for 13 months. And my mom probably doesn't get near the credit she deserves for the woman she is. Um, but... For me in that moment, and even their following, it was truly about, you know, how, how am I going to represent my dad, his legacy? Um, two, what do I people want to see? You know, one of the best things my dad told me after the tornado, and it, it, they were going to bulldoze the high school. And somehow he talked FEMA and allowed him to get the football equipment out of this back closet. And uh, a reporter from the Des Moines Register, which you know, largest paper in Iowa, shows up and starts asking him all these questions. My dad answers them all. And we get all the football equipment loaded to move to our elementary school. And just, just my dad and I in his little S10 truck. And I said, why do you keep doing all these interviews? Why, why are you answering all these questions? we got so much to do. And at 30, he stops and he gave me one of these, you know, the old finger to the face and said, Aaron, anybody can lead when things are going well. He said, my life has been so easy since I've been in Parkersburg in 1975. He goes, people will watch me with a microscope to see who, see who I really am as a person now that we've had this adversity or this devastation. And that's something that instantly came back to me after losing my dad. You know, what, what did I want myself, my family to look like? Um, and at the end of the day, you know, they, with, without the Holy Spirit working in me, it doesn't happen. Because it's not human nature. I mean, it's not human nature. And throughout this whole process, I've learned, honestly, David, forgiveness is for me. You know, I don't want to live in June 24, 2009 my whole life. I have no idea if Mark Becker cares if I forgave him or not. 
never had a conversation. He's never asked. He's never said, but I don't need that. And, and I think so many people, when bad things happen and right, wrong, or indifferent, we're all going to have things happen to us that, that we don't think we deserve. We didn't ask for them, but we're the only ones who decide how we respond. And in doing that, forgiveness is truly for you to move forward. Aaron, yes, forgiveness is for me. I don't think many people are able to see that. Forgiveness is when something bad happens to us, we want to, you know, just hold on to that. And it's not necessarily forgetting, but it's forgiveness right. is, is just freeing ourselves up. And like, is, do you have any ways that, you, I mean, you just, that, that you live that? Were there any processes and when this just tragedy, because this is the biggest setback of your life. And yeah. this has turned into an, an immense setup to be able to help so many other people in their lives. So the genuine true power of forgiveness, was there anything that you like really, really just grasped onto during these difficult times that got you through it and that helped you see like, you know what, like this, as as bad as this is, there's there's beauty that's going to come out of these these ashes. It, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's all... It, being a person of faith is huge. Like, if I don't have that, I don't know how you move forward. Like, I don't know. Because big picture, what, what I talked about a lot, even with my brother, with my wife, you know, at the end of the day, on June 24, 2009, my dad ended up exactly where he worked 58 years of his life, you know, to get to heaven. Like, he's in a better place than I am. And I can take comfort in, in that. Um, and I think without that piece, I don't know if I can move on. Um, but... That was probably the biggest piece for me. And then I think just the challenge of knowing who my dad would want me to be um, as a person that, that for his legacy to keep moving it forward, um, to try to impact as many people. For me, not to get stuck in June 24th, 2009, because one, it, it negatively affect my three boys. Um, probably more important than that, my relationship with my wife would be hurt from it. And, and, and just the overall what, I, what I'm here to do um, I wasn't going to let Mark Becker determine, you know, he, he took a huge part of me with my dad, but he was not going to determine who I'm going to be. I guess I didn't want to give that power up. And, and that was the thing that I think drove me, because I can honestly say there's not a day goes by I don't think about my dad. And to that point, I think he still makes me a better person every day. And even though he's not with me, I still want to make my dad proud. I don't think that ever changes for anybody. And when I look back, you know, I had, I was, you know, 30 at this time, I probably had the 30 easiest years of life, David, a person could have. Two-parent home when I was growing up. I was disciplined, which I didn't always appreciate it. Um, loved high school. Had you know everything I thought mattered in high school. You know, played in the state tournaments, all the state tournaments. Um, had great friends. Got to go to Drake, play college basketball. My wife, uh, I overachieved in my marriage, so that's always, you know, a, a positive. You know, get a job right at Union High School being a head coach. My life was easy until I lost my dad. And so... For me, I think it was a, a step of how do you respond um, when you do face something. Like I said, I was so fortunate to have my parents to look at for 13 months after the tornado when they lost both lo they, they lost their home and everything they owned, but they also both lost where they worked. And so for me to, to see that, I think, really helped prepare me um, for what became my platform, my opportunity, losing my dad. You know what stands out to me is Job. You kind of have a story yeah. of yeah. Job in the Bible, and I'm sure people right. have told you that before. Great life, amazing, then everything's taken away from you. And it's God saying, hey, how are you going to react? Are you going to be the same person you are through the good and the bad? Or are you going to be the chameleon, chameleon that rises yeah. and falls with your surroundings? So 
And let's let's touch on legacy too. You use that word multiple times in here, and I think it's such a such a point that people don't really, you know, it's one of those words like potential, like oh, in culture, like hey, it sounds cool, but what exactly is it? So with legacy, do you feel any type of weight on you that hey, you have to live up to Ed Thomas's name, or is it just completely like he's given you this power through what he's taught you to go on and live your own legacy? You know, I, I do feel that, um, but I think it's a good pressure. You know, we, I, I'm sure you talk to people a lot about positive pressures, negative pressures. Uh, and to me, this is, it's a huge positive. It's a responsibility, um, without a doubt, to be Ed Thomas's son. But, but I view that it is a positive. I mean, I've had unbelievable experiences because of that. Um, there is expectations, but hopefully people have high enough expectations themselves. And the one thing I talk about, you see, my dad did not come from that type of legacy, my dad was the son of an alcoholic. Um, his dad was a bad business person. Um, so he didn't have that, but his high school coach, the reason my dad taught and coached because in eighth grade, his high school football coach, uh, the high school football coach, even though he was eighth grader, grabbed him and said, Ed, you have an unbelievable work ethic. You're a natural leader. Don't settle on what you might become. That's why my dad went in teaching and coaching. And so I watched him kind of take a, a tough home setting um, and, and be turn it into his legacy. And so me, I, I kind of don't know if I want to say had a silver platter, but I had a really good home life. I had a great example of a father. Um, and so for me, it's what do I got to grow that? That is my responsibility to grow, I think, because at the end of the day, I want to challenge my kids exactly like my dad challenged me to be a good person, to live your life for something bigger than yourself, to impact other people. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I think of a legacy. It's going to be one of three things, David. When we're when our time is done, whether it's at our work or living, people are going to say, "Man, we're sure going to miss them. They did so much. They were so impactful." Two, they're going to say, "Thank goodness they're gone." When people leave work, if they're you know a negative culture, um, people are, are nothing but complainers and cause problems. They're going to be, or I think maybe the the worst one. Will people even know we were here? And everybody's going to fall in one of those three legacy areas. And you know being fortunate enough to watch my dad and the people he impacted. That's why I went into education. That's why I do what I do. And I hope at the end of the day, my kids feel the challenge to live their lives for more than just themselves. And how much can I get? How much can I earn? Or what can I do to satisfy myself? But how can I be selfless? Um, and how can I impact others? Hopefully, you know, as a leader that um, be a selfless leader. Oof, oof. And you're a phenomenal selfless leader. And you implement that, I know, into your school, into Appleton Parkersburg. How do you build culture within, and I'm throwing that word around there, how yep, do you build it's... culture within your teachers? Because I've heard you talk about, hey, I want the, I want them to all, and this goes through for companies, for anybody, everybody yeah. to feel like they matter. And why would they want to go somewhere else? Because it's so enjoyable and they get so much value out of being where they're at. Is there anything you do that we could give the audience of like, hey, in your community, in your family, in your company, this these are some staples that you could really implement to build culture? Well, I think the biggest thing is, as any leader is, you know, and I got this from my dad, but he always said, you know, great leaders are willing to empower others. Nobody's afraid. I'm not afraid of somebody else being smarter than me. I will promise you I am not the smartest person in Applington Parkersburg High School. Promise you. So I need my pre-calc teacher, my physics teacher, to know I 100% back you. I know this is your area. How can I help you? What can I do to come alongside to make you the absolute best you can be? 
because that's what I need. Because at the end of the day, I think it all comes down to passion. If, if I don't show up thinking I work at the greatest school there is, how can I ask my teachers to think they work at the greatest school? And if my teachers don't think they work at the greatest school, I promise you we're not getting 14 to 18-year-olds excited to be here. And so they just that energy. But I think as a great leader, I don't need to have all the answers. I do have to be willing to sometimes say, you know, that's a great idea, but I don't think it fits with what we're doing right now. But they know, you know, I want my teachers to know they can come to me with ideas. And my job is how can I prepare them, make them better as they go, because I firmly believe every person who's driven or motivated, and that's what I want for teachers, they want to get better. So what kind of feedback am I giving to them? Do they know they're supported? Do they know they're valued? You know, I think at the end of the day, no matter what workplace we have, and as a leader of a workplace, are our people showing up just to get a check, or are they bought into what it is we're trying to do? You know, our goal, our mission at Applington Parkersburg High School is when our students graduate here, they're able to go do whatever it is they desire to do. So I don't care if they want to be doctors. I don't care if they want to be electricians, mechanics. We are going to prepare them the absolute best we can and that they know when they leave here, they're going to have the opportunity. Oof. Setting them up, giving them the tools. I uh, oh, love it. That's leadership. the hope. Hey, leadership is bravery. Bravery yeah. is vulnerability. Vulnerability is being fully transparent. And that's what you do. Everybody at the core wants to be comfortable in their own skin, but they can't be comfortable in their own skin if their leader isn't willing to be vulnerable and comfortable in his or her own skin as you are. So just recapping that there, man, you are a phenomenal selfless leader. And I love it. I love it. Empowerment leadership is the way to lead everybody listening out there. You're all a leader, no matter what you're doing, you're leading somebody, somebody's watching every single day. Hey, Aaron, I want to throw you on the rapid fire hot seat. So these are just quick answers, whatever comes to your mind, spit them out. So the first one I got for you is do you have a favorite mindset quote that you live by? Do you have, you've already dropped a bunch of quotes. So do you have one that you've already used or one that maybe is on your bathroom mirror, refrigerator, phone? I love anything worth doing is worth doing well. Don't care how big, how small. That was something I'll never forget. My dad told me that at a young age. That challenged me. I think back to tasseling corn, honestly. You know, and you're getting up at five in the morning to go and, and just that challenge that anything worth doing is worth doing well. And then doesn't have to be the biggest task, but it shows who you are. So that's that's the one that I use. That fits you so well. And I laugh when you say detasseling corn because being a fellow <laughs> Iowan, I know yeah. what you mean. In August, getting up 5 a.m. detasseling corn, if you haven't done it, you don't know what a hard day's no. work is, man. That's no. Bailing hay detasseling corn makes us good people, Aaron. Yep. Makes us good. We'll, we'll fit the stereotype. We'll get them all in. Hey, what does leaving a legacy mean to you? We touched on legacy, but if you could leave the ultimate legacy, not necessarily on a billboard or what the world says it is, what would, when, when, when Aaron Thomas is gone, what do you want people saying about you? You gave those three points, which I loved. What, what would you consider a legacy to be? Well, if I could write mine, it'd be that he loved Jesus, he loved his wife, and loved his kids. And if that's all they ever said, I'd be more than fine and you know hopefully that i helped other people or former students whatever but those first three are the three that matter and then you know obviously hopefully the people i've been able to impact you know uh, through school coaching whatever that would be the fourth piece Mm, so good 
And that is true legacy. That's the exact answer that I would give. Once again, our Iowan connection coming through. (laughs) I got a fun one for you. If you're going to have a dinner party and you could invite three people, dead or alive, who are you inviting and what are you eating? What is your last death row meal? All right. Well, number one, I'd have my dad um, there. I'd I'd probably have my father-in-law who also passed away and then my wife just so we could have a meal um, I'd be eating steaks without a doubt, probably prime rib, um, twice baked potatoes. Um, you know, uh, and I'd also banana cream pie would be the, the dessert option without a doubt. But, you know, and that's a, t- that's a tough question, but definitely my dad, like I said, my father-in-law, but there's so many others, you know, love to sit down with a John Maxwell, Craig Rochelle, um, those guys, but the end of the day you know uh chance to eat with both my dad obviously died unexpected my father-in-law died unexpected so if we could just that's what i do my wife and i our two dads you know we're fortunate our moms are both still alive but that would be the meal if i got to choose you know what i know those two guys would want to sit in a room with you and hear your story and hear how (laughs) you have made an impact i guarantee it guarantee yeah all right where can we all follow you support you any causes you have going that we can get behind we can obviously we're going to cheer on appleton parkersburg football maybe (laughs) you know for me you know uh on on twitter a little bit try to promote school and and some of the speaking stuff i do at aaron w thomas um uh, also aaron w thomas speaking or dot com is my speaking website but then the ed thomas family foundation.org um we we do have a foundation set up um in honor of my dad, it's gone for 12 years. We pre-COVID, we did uh, two leadership academies a year. Um, we haven't been able to get those going again, but we'd sell out in a matter. I think the the last one we did pre-COVID, uh, 24 minutes, we sold out 500 seats. And the beauty of the foundation, we only charge $10 a student to come. We limit students. Uh, our schools can only bring up to 12, but we we sold it out in like I said, 48 minutes. We'd have five speakers. Um, but just some great stuff on there. If, if, if you look or want to know more about my dad or our story, the Ed Thomas Family Foundation um, website. And then, like I said, the other two areas, um, you can just see a little bit where, where I'm speaking or follow along what's going on in Appleton Parkersburg on Twitter. Yeah, you know what? I just, had a, I just had a thought, and I think you might have good insight on this. I don't know the answer, and you might not know the answer either. I'm just kind of going off the cuff here. How do we how do we help the next generation combat this 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 thing that is just sucking life out of everybody of technology, social yeah. media? I know you deal with it on a daily basis, right? What, what like in the future, ten years from now, like it's gonna be, it's just gonna keep going and keep going if we don't put limitations and a stop on it. Like, how do we really make change in that? Yeah, I I think honestly, it comes to pouring into people like where are young people getting their worth or their value? And I think we got to spend time talking that like it, it can't be from the likes or the followers or the, you know, I'm not a big Snapchat and Instagram and, you know, those things, but it's such a uh, big piece of their life that we have to somehow reach our young people. So they understand their self value and, and their true friends is not how many followers you have or those types of those comments. Cause it's easy for people to say negative from behind their phone or behind the screen. You know, when I was a kid, if somebody didn't like me, they actually had to come tell me to my face they didn't like me for me to know. It, it, it's not like now. 
you know, and you could settle it that way on the playground or whatever. It's just such a different world for our kids. And I think, you know, as adults are people pouring into them, I, I know with my own three boys, it's like who you are as a person, how you treat others, that's going to be your worth, fellas. It, it's not what people say on social media or, or this or that. That can't be where you find value. You have to know deep down who you are, what matters to you. So I think as adults, we need to help our young people determine, you know, what matters to them. What do they want to stand for? Kind of your legacy question. What do you, what matters to you? What do you want to be known for? And if we can get that, then all of a sudden maybe that social media piece doesn't become such a driving force to roller coaster them on their value. You know, oh, if I'm light, then, then I'm here. Or if I'm not, then I'm down here. Um, because at the end of the day, true authentic relationships, I don't know how else we get past it or, or build that who we are. And you know what I tell our kids every day at school, um, right? Usually I tell our seniors once they're going to leave is your grade point's not going to matter your success. If you want to make a lot of money in our day to day, learn to work with people who don't think exactly like you. And now be, be kind, be able to communicate. You know, I, my oldest son's a freshman at college. I said, you want to be successful, be able to communicate because so many people in your generation can't. Carrying on a conversation, regardless of the person's 80 years old to a, a little kid, and you will be, become extremely successful. And agree to disagree in an agreeable way. Because that's a, we can't watch our politicians and get that example. Um, you want to lead. You're not going to work. Everybody's not always going to think like you, look like you, believe like you. But at the end of the day, can you be respectful of one another and work to a common goal? And if we can get way more on that, uh, David, and not so worried about our, our, our social media stuff, to me, that's the only way things are going to change. I agree. I think we need to just do, take the same approach as you're talking about with your teachers. You're empowering your teachers. If we empower kids at a young age and yeah. just have classes on this, literally have classes on here, like this is, this is your worth. Your worth is not here. And just continually to teach and teach and put it in their brain because right now we hear the other yeah. way from society. Nobody's telling them differently when they're a kid. Their muscle memory gets so wired in in this one way, it's so hard to unwire it. But if we hit them early, like we need classes on this kind of stuff. You know, the big thing in education right now, David, social emotional learning is the title of it, SEL. We spend now 20 days a week. We are our teachers before the year we came up with. So we have a lesson once a week based on social emotional. And so it's different than last week. You know, it's kind of our second week of school. So we had our first home activities, we, we had a 20-minute lesson on sportsmanship that the teachers created. We got two of them coming up on social media use and how do you work through that, what's proper use, what's not. We're, we're trying to work with our kids on how to respond, check your email every day because, unfortunately, that doesn't always happen or making sure you're using full words, not your Snapchat words or your, you know, inst like just little things that is such an important piece for our kids today but at the end, you know, that relationship piece is a huge focus of our teachers. It's not necessarily even content-based because, like I said, our teachers are going to know that. But can we, every kid, have a relationship with an adult in our building? That's the goal. And if we can do that, I know our attendance will be better. I know that kids are going to have someone they know cares about them, sees them, they feel valued. And to me, I don't know how else we get it changed um, until we can establish for young people to know their value beyond what their phone tells them. Oof. Relationships are currency. I love it. Yeah. So true. Yeah. So true, Aaron. Okay, as we let you off this Pivot and Go podcast hot seat, the last question, the final question I have for you, if you could give a drop the mic piece of advice, just one word, two words, three words of advice to somebody who feels stuck 
in the life situation they're in, what would that be to help them make that pivot, the proverbial pivot, and go? Every day gives us the power to choose. So you can choose what your day is going to be, power of attitude, you know, all kind of goes with that. You're going to have bad things happen. How do we move forward? Power to choose. The superhero power of choice. And Aaron, I'm glad you exercised your superhero power of choice and chose to be on this podcast because we are all better for having you on this and listening to your message, man. Continue to keep leading, being that light that you are to so many people around you. And get out here to California sometime. I think you need to schedule a football game or basketball game. <laughs> Let's play hoops out there. I'll bring our guys. No, I've been fortunate. I did some speaking at some schools out in California and just loved it. Um, the opportunity. So now that we know each other, if I do get that direction, we'll be talking. Please. I'm sure there's some place we can get steaks, twice baked potatoes, sweet corn. <laughs> we can live out our Iowa dreams out here in California. No reason not to. Aaron, thank you so uh, much, man. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Into the road, just pivot and go. Pivot and go.